What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you have been listening to my last few podcasts, I kept promising you that the lead up to free agency between the NBA draft and when free agency started would be fun. Well, officially got fun today because the Blazers made a trade. We're going to talk about the deal that sends Evan Turner to the Atlanta Hawks in exchange for Camp Bazemore. Uh, this morning, the Blazers also announced their newest player. Talk a little bit about Nazir Little's introductory press conference in Portland, let you hear a little bit from what he said to the press. And then the third segment, I'll talk about some news I missed over the weekend. But let's start with the biggest news of the day, something I did not miss. The Blazers sent Evan Turner, he of the $18 million contract, to the Atlanta Hawks in exchange for Kent Bazemore. Amazingly, and this is stunning on a variety of levels, and I'll talk about this in a little bit more detail as we go forward in this segment, but Kent Bazemore makes more money than Evan Turner. I did not think there was a scenario in which the Blazers would send out Evan Turner and get slightly more expensive, but they do. It's pretty much negligible. Bazemore makes about just shy of $700,000 more than Evan Turner. So the Blazers didn't get cheaper. One of their goals I thought would be this summer would be flip their expiring contracts and get moderately cheaper. They did not. But what they did acquire was a player that is the same age and the same position as Evan Turner who theoretically fits what they do a little bit better. Bazemore's 29. Uh... He averaged, excuse me, he averaged 11.6 points, 3.9 rebounds, 2.3 assists, 1.3 steals in 24 minutes last season with the Hawks. That was, he played in 67 games, 35 starts. Uh, he, he, he slumped down to about 32% from three last year. He shot 40% from the field on about five and a half attempts a game. But he's a career 35% three-point shooter. Uh, In 27-18, he shot 39% from three. Um, If the Blazers get that version of Kent Bazemore, if they get the the 6'5 wing who can shoot and takes six threes a game, then I think this is an obvious upgrade. Bazemore, uh, you know, signed a huge deal with the Hawks kind of the same, uh, while the Hawks were still good, when they were like a contending type team, he was the uh, he was sort of their young utility wing on a team with a bunch of good veterans that looked like they could be a Eastern Conference Finals team. Uh, he, he played five years in Atlanta, 355 games, 242 starts. In those five years, he averaged 10 points, 3.8 rebounds, and a little more than a steal in about 25 minutes a game. He was... A sometimes starter to a mostly starter to an entrenched starter. And this year, uh, he started 30 of the first 35 games for a Hawks team, kind of in a rebuild. Uh, even at age 28-29, he was, he was still you know there, going to be their go-to wing. But right at the end of December, he had an ankle injury, caused him to miss 14 games, and that was kind of... I, I, that was the writing was on the wall for him at that point. Uh, he when he when he got back, basically missed all of January. When he got back, he only started uh, five of the final thirty-one games that he was available for the rest of the regular season, and uh, he dropped from about twenty-seven a night pre-injury to twenty-one minutes a night post-injury. Kevin Herter, the uh, Hawks 
rookie just basically took over his minutes. They rolled with they rolled with Herder for. I mean, it, it's fair for a variety of reasons. They're a team that's not necessarily trying to win and trying to develop young guys. Uh, Kent Bazemore, not necessarily part of their plans. Oddly enough, Evan Turner is. So let's remember Evan Turner before we talk. We'll get back to sort of where I feel like Bazemore fits. But Evan Turner, in the early hours of July 1st, 2016, got a call from Neil Olshay and the Blazers offering him four years, $70 million. And the hilarious story goes that after receiving that contract offer, he called his best friend, Andre Iguodala, and said, Yo, dog, they offered me $70 million. And Andre Iguodala told him to hang the F up and accept the money. Luckily, Evan Turner listened to Andre, accepted the money, got his $70 million guaranteed. What a world. God bless America. And he ended up playing 217 games over three seasons with the Blazers. Uh, he started 54 games. He was mostly a bench guy. Uh, his averages with the Blazers, 8 points, 3.8 rebounds, 3 assists, and about 24 minutes a night. He shot 44% from the floor and problematically 27.8% from three. He was a rough fit. Uh, early on, they were trying to make him, the, for his first half a season, they, they wanted him to be a, sort of a bench wing guy. They didn't really, they didn't have a good sense of him as like a true point guardy point guard. Uh, then in February, late January, February of that year, they said, okay, we're going to play you next to Damon CJ. It really looked like Evan had kind of found his role because he could allow both those guys to play off the ball a little more. He could use his... He's a pretty versatile defender. I would say I was I was impressed with his, his defensive versatility in his time with the Blazers. And that worked for a little bit, and then Evan Turner broke his hand. Worked for about 15, 18 games, and Evan Turner broke his hand in Dallas. That experiment pretty much ended with that fracture. So that was year one. Year two, it never worked. They couldn't really figure it out. So year three, they here's what we're going to do. The Blazers said, we, we're paying Evan Turner so much MFing money we got to figure out what makes him good. And what made him good in Boston is when he was just the straight-up point guard in the second unit, ball in his hands, getting to operate. So that's what they did. They went out and signed some shooters, Nick Stauskas and, uh, and Seth Curry, to put around him on the perimeter. And they said, we're going to roll with you playing point guard and roll a straight five-man bench unit where you get the ball in your hands and you never play with Damon CJ. Because when you dribble, you're better. You are your, that's your best offensive skills when you get the ball in your hands and you can be creative. And that backup point guard experiment with Evan Turner worked for a month. And by December, it was a nightmare. Blazers were pretty much consistently outscored with Turner on the court. Uh... And it's Damon CJ on the bench by about eight points per 100 possessions for the entire season. It wasn't that bad prior to December, but, you know, there's four more months in the regular season. So mostly it was bad news. And yet, Evan Turner, who, when they signed Rodney Hood, he lost a ton of minutes. He started playing way, way fewer minutes when they traded for Rodney Hood, rather. Um, midway in, in January, they decided they needed to get Seth Curry more involved. They started giving him the ball more in his hands. That was less less time on the ball for Evan Turner, which means he's just generally less effective. And then the first nine playoff games, ten playoff games, first ten playoff games this season while the Blazers were making their, their postseason run, Evan Turner scored seven points. 
He was just a meaningless wing. Didn't have a fit. And then in game six against Denver, just an impossibly clutch and bizarre Evan Turner game in which he did not attempt a field goal, had seven assists and seven rebounds and played down the stretch and won a game, forcing a game seven. Just an absolutely bizarre, fantastic game in game six. And he played well enough in that game that he earned playing time in Game 7. And in Game 7 in the fourth quarter, he had 10 points on the road in Denver and hit two decisive free throws to give the Blazers a Game 7 win and send them to the first Western Conference Finals in 19 years. While Dame was struggling, Damian Lillard was struggling, couldn't, couldn't find anything. He had two huge threes in that fourth quarter, but he, wasn't, he was not very good in that game. Evan Turner was a monster. He was huge. So strangely, in these sort of biggest games... Uh, that he ever really played as a Blazer, he was really good. Nobody for the Blazers was particularly good other than two wild volcano nights from Myers, from Myers Leonard. Almost called him Miles. Shout out to TNT. No one was particularly good in that series against the Warriors. Evan is in that group of not particularly good, but he was really good. They would not have made the Western Conference Finals without him. That said, he wasn't a very good fit. This was always a weird thing. The Blazers identified their problems after two losses to uh, a loss to the Warriors and a, and, a, and a near loss to the Clippers uh, playoff series. They won thanks in part to injuries to Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. Was that they didn't have another ball handler and they wanted to get another ball handler on the court, another creator. So that's why they went after went after Evan Turner and, and tried to make him that tertiary, that third creator, someone who could pass and dribble and, and attack the ball, attack when double teams came to Damon CJ. The problem was Evan Turner needs the ball in his hands to be that facilitator because people just don't guard him in space. And I guess theoretically, that's why they made this deal. Because Kent Bazemore, if nothing else, is going to put it up from three. Uh, Kevin Pelton, a friend of mine and... Wonderful statistics writer at ESPN uh, has has written that gravity uh, is probably better defined by number of attempts, like number of just times you shoot from three, more so than it is uh, three-point percentage. So Kent Bazemore's willingness to put up six threes a game is probably valuable in and of itself as floor spacing when he's on the court, more so than even if he still is a below-average three-point shooter like he was last year. And this is a stat from Tom Haverstrow that he tweeted shortly after the trade. Over the past four seasons, Kent Bazemore has taken 1,145 three-pointers, shooting 35%, which is like a shade below league average over that time. Evan Turner, in four seasons, 385 attempts from three, 27%. He doesn't shoot them, he doesn't make them. A couple Hawks writers have pointed this out, including Chris Vivlamore from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. He's the first person I saw this. The Hawks kind of view Evan Turner as a backup point guard. I think that's his best fit. Uh, his best fit with the Blazers was probably guarding power forwards and playing point guard. Hard guy to fit into the rotation. But that's where he was best by the end of his stay in Portland. Bazemore won't be that. He's smaller, skinnier. He's got longer arms than Evan maybe, but he's just he's just generally smaller than him. He might have some times in the wing when there's just people who are just straight up bigger than him at 6'5 with a 7-foot wingspan. But in theory, he's a better shooter. He kind of has a little bit of creativity to his game, certainly not um, the in the way that Evan does. But he should provide a scoring option on the wing that the Blazers sorely need. There was times in the playoffs when they really needed 
a non-Rodney Hood option on the wing who could knock down a three, and they didn't have it. So Kent Bazemore answers that question, at least to some extent. But I mentioned this at the top, and I'll, and I'll close the segment with this. I thought the Blazers were going to try to shed a little bit of salary. If you would ask me, will the Blazers, where are the Blazers going <clears> to <throat> cut the roughly $2 million bucks to get below the tax line and get to the full mid-level as opposed to the taxpayer mid-level exception? It's basically the difference between offering a free agent such as Rodney Hood a $5.7 million contract starting annual salary versus a nine and some change, $9.2 million annual contract. That's a big difference when it comes to sort of what the Blazers' tools are this summer. So I thought they were going to shed salary or at least try to make a trade like this where they got just a little bit cheaper to make it happen. Seems like they're not going to do that. And it seems like seems like this trade is the Blazers reading the market, figuring out where, where they're, what they were going to be able to do. Perhaps, you know, this trade's already official. Both teams already announced it. So you can say maybe they, they jumped the gun, but we don't know. And you would assume that they have mostly called around to figure out what they can do. But this trade makes it seem like the Blazers are going to just use the straight up mid-level, straight up taxpayer mid-level and not get down to the full mid-level, which might limit their options in free agency. So Kent Bazemore might be one of their big moves. He might be a good fit, quite frankly. Like I keep saying, theoretically, he fits what they need. A decent defender, long, a decent, you know, can be rangy, long defender who shoots three-pointers, something they didn't really have on the roster last year. But I think this means that Rodney Hood is unlikely to come back. I always thought it was unlikely Seth Curry was coming back. Let's just ignore the, the, that in general. But it means that the Blazers have less, it looks like they're trending towards having less tools to entice the Rodney Hood, Ennis Cantor, or any other free agent that it wasn't on the roster last year to come back. Which might mean that they just try to bring out Farouk Aminu back and that really what this trade was was the very rare one-for-one where the Blazers plug in Kent Bazemore for Evan Turner. We'll see. I'll close with this. The classic thing the general manager says in the press release sent out to the media. This is from Neil Olshay. Kent is a two-way wing that adds depth to our, to our perimeter and is an excellent fit with our returning players and will transition seamlessly to our style of play. We want to thank Evan for his many contributions to the team. He was a critical player in our run to the Western Conference Finals, and he will be missed on and off the court. I'll tell you what, Evan Turner will be missed off the court. He had a very close relationship with Damian Lillard. They were legitimately good friends. He was the veteran who had the strongest relationship with the two rookies, Gary Trent and Anthony Simons. He was well-liked in the locker room. Players don't give a shit, really, about how much money you make. I mean, they do to some extent, but they weren't mad at Evan Turner for securing the bag. And he was a really good quote. Uh, sometimes he could wear, at least me personally, a little bit thin because he wasn't very good about talking about basketball, but he was hilarious and very candid about talking about anything else. So I just learned to go to Evan and talk about anything else because he wasn't very good at talking about the sort of X's and O's or what just happened in the game. But he was a great quote. He's hilarious. He's friendly. He's um, the kind of guy who will give, his, give a reporter his phone number and answer your texts or phone calls when you call him. That's a good dude. And people like me in the media like a good dude like that. I think the Hawks media contingent will be happy to have him, at least to some extent, because he is just a fantastic quote. Hard to say what his loss really means in terms of leadership and all those things. 
he was certainly one of the veterans on the team. A uh, guy with the corner locker stall, which means he's one of the older people on the roster. But the Blazers, for basketball reasons, in theory, improved today with this trade. All right, went a little long here, so the second two segments, we'll, uh, we'll try to keep them short. But before we get to segment number two and talk all about newest Blazer Nazir Little, I want to remind you guys that for the latest takes on NBA free agency, you can follow the Locked On Podcast Network on Twitter. All of us, the whole dang network, all at one feed. It's at Locked On NBA Net. That's at Locked On NBA Net. It's an awesome way to get all the latest opinions from the local experts during NBA free agency. Locked On NBA Net. All right, so this morning, before the trade, the Blazers introduced their newest face. 25th pick in the NBA draft, Nazir Little, from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Uh, He spoke about nine minutes to um, assorted media in a sort of conference setting. And what I want to do in this first segment is play you what I deem the most interesting part. Uh, This The first sound you're going to hear is him answering a question from the Athletics' Jason Quick about... Was there a sort of moment in his life that kind of defined his 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 journey, defined his path? Was there like a was there a, a moment that sort of crystallized the person and player he became to be? And I think it's pretty interesting. The second question you're going to hear is from the Oregonians, Joe Freeman. Uh, both of these dudes are my friends and guys. I know you're not listening, but I appreciate you asking the good questions so we could get the good answers. All right, here's Nazir. I think. Uh... One of the biggest moments for me was like in middle school. Um, I didn't do that well academically, and I just told told my, myself and my parents, you know, from this point on, you know, I'm gonna get A's for the rest of my life, A's and B's for the rest of my life, and uh, I now did. it's B's. Yeah, A's and B's. <laughs> yeah, I said A's and B's initially, but I definitely got I got all A's. So, um, I mean, that, that for me that was important because it showed like my self determination, and um, you know, and that's how I kind of started to develop you know my work ethic and things like that. Oh, every morning, yes. Every morning. For how long? So, and just describe why you did that and that whole point of your life. For two years. So two years. for that that schedule was wake up at like four forty in the morning, uh, go to the gym at five, uh, work out from five to six, then I would go down the street to like this weight room trainer and then work out from six to seven, then like go home, hurry up and get changed, and then go to school and then do the school thing, have basketball practice. And then that, when I got home, after I did my homework and stuff, I'd go back to the gym. And I did that every day for like two years. And what would you, you just worked, off, or worked out by yourself in the gym? Yeah, it was me and uh, my t- a couple of my teammates. So, and uh, I mean, it wasn't always just like working out would be two on two, uh, playing pickup, things like that. What, what, describe the dedication, where that comes from, why, what, what motivated you? I mean, for me, it was just, you know, I'm a perfectionist, I want to be as good as possible at anything I put my time into. And, um, you know, basketball is fun when you're good at it. So, you know, that that was my main, my main purpose for that. Basketball is indeed fun when you're good at it. So are most things. Uh, I think those are the, the two most in, sort of interesting answers, maybe three if you count Joe's question as a multiple parter. But uh, I, I think the, the story of, of Nazir just basically saying, I'm going to get all A's and B's and then going out and do it. I think he was the salutatorian of his high school when he graduated and 
And in his two semesters at Carolina, he had like a above a three five. He was a good student. But I, I think more than just like, hey, this dude is smart academically. I think it shows like a young kid who says, I'm going to put my mind to something. Um, I'm determined to do this and get things done. I think uh, if you can apply that type of thing to the basketball world, it could be useful. And also just the getting up at 4 a.m. to uh, work out is the type of thing that you need to do if you're going to get to the pros. Uh, it, it's certainly the type of work ethic that separates people. Uh, it's a it's a good thing to hear. You know, if you're if you're rooting for a young kid, someone who works as hard as, as he reportedly does uh, is certainly entertaining. Those are my two quick takeaways. And like I said, we're going to fly through these things. If you want to hear me talk more about Nazir Little, just go back to the last, the last episode in this feed. I did 20 minutes on him. It's good stuff. I'm a Chapel native. Y'all probably know. So we talked Nazir. We talked about the trade. There's actually two newsy things that I missed over the weekend. We talked a little bit about uh, two-way player Jalen Horde and reportedly a new Blazers assistant coach who's on the way. But before I do that, I want to remind you guys that when you're driving to work, driving around town, all you have to do is tell your smart device in your car, play podcast Lockdown Blazers, and I'll be right there with you for the whole drive. Make it part of your daily routine uh, on your daily commute or whenever you're in the car. Just tell your smart device, play podcast Locked on Blazers. All right, welcome back. So uh, the draft podcast that I recorded last time, I did it basically I hit record as the draft ended. And of course, news happened after that. The first news, the Blazers signed a guy to a two-way contract, Jalen Horde, a 20-year-old rookie from, obviously a rookie, um, from Wake Forest. Uh, Jalen Horde, real quickly, he, well, 6'9", seven-foot wingspan, he's about 213 pounds, pretty good athlete, but not like an insane leaper. But, but, you know, quick and quick for someone his size. Uh, he was the leading rebounder and scorer uh, for the for a very bad Wake Forest team in his lone collegiate season. Uh, he's actually a native of France and then moved to uh, the Wesleyan Christian Academy to finish up his prep career. And he was like a, a, a very hot sort of 17, 18-year-old top top 30 maybe-ish prospect uh, in those in those two years of prep school in the United States. Um as a collegiate, he averaged 13 and 7, 13 and 7 and a half for, like I said, for a very bad Wake team. But he does pass the Mike G. Rich test. He played against Carolina once. So that means I have seen Jalen Horde play a basketball game. Unfortunately for him, it was a messy basketball game. He missed, he's, he failed to start one time in his college career, and it was against Carolina because he reportedly overslept and missed morning shoot around. He still finished that game with 17 and 6 on 7 of 9 shooting. He was efficient, but he didn't pl- he checked in the game with 11 and a half minutes to go in the first half. So like he missed the first what is that? 9 and a half minutes of the game and Wake was down 20 to 3. And they ended up going on to lose that game by 38, the worst loss in history in 30 years in Joel Coliseum, basically their worst home loss in the last 3 decades. So I didn't get a really great scout on my man. Didn't get, you know, it's just not a great game to scout. Like I said, he finished with an efficient 17-6, but he was meaningless in that game. Um, But I think this guy's worth a risk. He's someone who worked out for the Blazers. Um, In general, like I said, he was kind of in their maybe potential second-round draft range if I thought they were going to trade back in the draft. That was before Nazir Little fell to them. So I think he offers uh, a 
a potential athletic power forward defender rebounder type. Definitely a position they didn't have, I feel like, on their roster last year. Uh, Zach is more, Zach Collins is more of a five. Mo Harkless is more of a three. Al Farouk Amino was their only real power forward really on the roster for the most of the season. So uh, Horde obviously won't be on the big boy roster unless they convert his two-way contract. But he offers at least an intriguing 20-year-old option with uh, room to improve. He's not a shooter. doesn't have a ton of individual offense in the half court. Uh, he, he gets a lot of his points off putbacks and, and scoring around the rim with just activity with cuts and, and, and being uh, quicker than other guys his size. So maybe that's somewhere he can certainly develop. Um, here's how two-way contracts work, if you don't know. His salary does not count against the, uh, the Blazers' cap, and he can spend 45 days with the Blazers, not including travel days. So he can be with the team on 45 game and combined game and practice days uh, from the moment G League training camp starts until the G League playoffs, basically until your team is eliminated from the playoffs. So there will be a time at the end of the year when he's allowed to be on the bench after the G League season ends and when the Blazers uh, Blazers season is still going on. He's the third, third player the Blazers have signed to a two-way contract, C.J. Wilcox. And Wade Baldwin. Wade Baldwin, of course, uh, Blazers converted his contract to a real NBA deal. And he played portions of two seasons with the team. But I think this is a good deal. I think it's a low-risk thing. Uh, interesting move for a guy who will likely be... Uh, the Blazers haven't announced it yet, but he'll likely be part of the, the Summer League team and certainly part of... Uh, you know, he, he'll, he might not get in real games next year, but he'll be part of the sort of development group that they have. And the Blazers, if nothing else, have proven to be pretty good at player development. And this is a low-risk to no-risk option for a 6'9 power forward. The other news I missed. The Blazers have filled the void, reportedly filled the void. This is from Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports. Blazers have not announced this either. Uh, on the coaching staff left by when David Vanderpool took the associate head coach job with the Minnesota Timberwolves, reportedly the Blazers are bringing in Gennaro Pargo, an 11-year NBA vet who played his final NBA season pretty recently, 2014-15 with the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, he also had stints with the Bulls, the New Orleans Hornets, also the uh, Oklahoma City Hornets, when they were there for briefly. Atlanta Hawks, uh, Lakers, Wizards. He's been all over. Uh, most recently, though, he uh, spent the last two seasons as assistant coach with the Windy City Bulls. Um, and he he played in the G League in 2016-17 with Oklahoma City Blue. So... While his NBA career ended a couple seasons ago, he's been an active professional basketball player as recently as 2016-17 season. Uh, I, I think he fits a role. A lot of the sort of stuff assistant coaches do with the Blazers is get on the court and do stuff. Uh, I assume he won't be a front-of-the-bench type of guy. Um, someone else will get that promotion. Maybe he will be. I don't know. But it, it gets them someone who can work out with the guards uh, Has you know is, is not yet 40. He's young. He can run around and, and, and play with these guys and uh give them another body when they need to do stuff in practice during a long nba season and he also just has experience playing recently in the league and coaching at the developmental in the developmental leagues like coaching in the g league is valuable for the type of role he'll have for the blazers because he's going to be developing dudes we don't really know what it's impossible to tell what type of coach he's like you know this reported that he's he's well regarded 
Um, but it's it's pretty rare that a guy's going to get a job and, and um, you know, you're going to break that story and say, this guy's not well-regarded. It came out of nowhere. So we don't know. And it's impossible to tell if NBA coaches are good or bad because you don't really know what they offer. But I know this. The Blazers value development, and this is a guy who has experience being a vet on an NBA team, being a, a you know, a, knows what it's like to bounce around and fi- find ways to stick in the league. That's valuable experience to, to provide to your bench, if nothing else. And it's a guy who's worked with young people in the G League. I think, if, if nothing else, he checks some of the development boxes that you'd want from an assistant coach. And like I said, it's uh, quality is something that um, you sort of have to judge much further down the line or based on the opinions of others because as fans or as media members, it is hard to see what goes into it all. Guys, I really appreciate you all listening. Uh, we'll have more on what Bazemore means, and we'll have more on all the moves heading into free agency. I promised you it was going to be fun leading up from the draft of free agency, which starts on Sunday. It's probably going to be more fun. Maybe not with the Blazers, but certainly around the league. Um, Blazers have moves to make. they got things to do. Might not happen until July, but there's certainly going to be more movement around the league, more stuff happening around the league prior to that. So stick with us. Tell your friends about Lockdown Blazers. They can find it wherever they get podcasts. I appreciate you guys listening. Talk to you soon.